Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name's Adam. My name is Jeremy. And we are here to discuss the Uncanny X-Men number 153, Win a Columbia 10-Speed Formula 10 Racer Details Inside Still. Uh, this one was, uh, cover date is January 1982. And the on-sale date was October 31st, 1981. Ooh. Adam, before we get started, though, I, I think there's some old business we need to clear up. That old business is, uh, I don't remember who the listener was, but somebody had sent us in a drink, uh, and we never really got around to trying it. So I thought... Well, to be fair, it was complicated. It was. <clears throat> and honestly, uh, I, I thought some of the ingredients were illegal, but they're not. <laughs> so the the original drink that was first uh, pitched to us was the fastball special, right? Uh, this one was called the Cybolt. And Adam, uh, if you could just run down the uh, how you make this thing, and, and while you're doing that, I'm I'm going to make mine. All right, <laughs> I'm running down. Um, well, did did you prepare your uh, your your sugar cube? I don't. I don't have any sugar cubes, and I didn't want to like go buy a whole box of sugar cubes just for one sugar cube. <laughs> I, I, I totally did. <laughs> a sugar cube is essentially just a um, is a. Tea, did you melt it like on fire? Melt it? Yeah, I totally oh. did. Oh, <laughs> so I got really confused about this. So let, let all right. So the, the the ingredients are absinthe, Red Bull, grenadine, and sugar. And now when I went to go buy absinthe, the liquor store that I go to is which is quite extensive, has only two different kinds of absinthe. One was a $22 bottle, $22 bottle. That's what I'm drinking. It's the Myth Absinthe Traditional. Oh. The, I don't know anything about this stuff. All I know is it's 138 proof, so I'm not expecting this to go well. The other <laughs> bottle was larger, came in a box, and I think it was like $32, but it had a absinthe spoon for what I think is to melt the cube. But... I guess I didn't put together that you're supposed to, like, melt it. You, I thought maybe you just kind of rested the spoon in the drink and let the sugar cube dissolve. Uh, I, I don't know the actual way of doing this, but the way that I was shown is that you put the sugar cube on the spoon mm -hmm. and you uh, pour some uh, absinthe in it, and then you pour some absinthe, probably the amount of absinthe that you're going to drink, maybe a little bit less, into the cup. And then you light it on fire, and then the sugar cube mutes, no, melts rather into the ice cube. Of course. And then at the last second, you flip it over, and the whole thing goes. Whoosh, yeah. In a big, in a big blue flame. Oh, that makes total and, sense. Uh, and it, it, and, and then you, and then you do a shot, which <laughs> makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Than, uh, than this crazy drink. I'm afraid of what's going to happen here, but I've got. I've got a the the original recipe was a pint glass with a quarter of ice, which seems like way too little. Uh, half a cup or half of that pint full of absinthe, which that's a lot of absinthe. That is that is a lot of absinthe. <laughs> the rest full of Red Bull, which is fine, and then a splash of grenadine, and then you do the sugar cube thing. So I've got a full glass of um, ice in a pint glass, and I'm gonna see. I'm just gonna start pouring here. And see if you burn if you, if you're burning the sugar cube, you should probably do that first. I'm not going to do that because I don't have a sugar cube. Okay. Um. Well, that's a lot of absinthe. Okay. Oops. All right. That's about half. <laughs> Alrighty. 
And uh, here goes the Red Bull. I don't drink. Oh, God, it smells like sweet tarts. Now, the the dangerous part, I mean, this seems like absinthe is like a downer and Red Bull is like an upper. Mm-hmm. So I feel like whoever created this ingredient just wanted to see if we would drink it and kill ourselves. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I've drank. Uh, here goes the splash of grenadine. Well, that was a funny thing about my grenadine. Um, when we did this, I was like, well, I've got grenadine. Everybody's got grenadine. Well, I looked in the liquor cabinet where I do have some grenadine, took a look at the date, and it was um, from 2007. So I threw it out. You can actually make uh, grenadine pretty easily. Just take, uh, I just learned this. You can take uh, pomegranate juice and uh, just water it down. Oh, well, I bought it. And you, have, you essentially have grenadine for a lot cheaper than is probably what I paid for it. I paid like two and a half dollars for like a little tiny bottle of grenadine. All right. So your absence with 138 proof on huh? mine. I saw. I think mine was the same, but I saw one as high as like 168 proof or something like that. Good lord! All right, I have stirred up my drink. I, I guess I'm going to skip the sugar because then there'd just be disgusting sugar granules in there. Uh, did you do the whole flaming sugar thing? I did. Okay. I'm going to take a I'm going to take a picture of we're going to put these on I'm going to put mine on Facebook anyway. So I'm going to take a picture of my drink here and uh what color is it? Well, it's kind of like a grapefruit color. That makes sense. It, it takes on the color of the grenadine, I think. Mhm. Um a little stir stick I don't have any place to put. All right. All right. <clears throat> so I I thought uh the whole grenadine or no, uh the whole um absinthe thing was a little taboo because isn't there like absinthe with wormwood that makes you hallucinate or something? Uh, well, I, I did some research about absinthe. Okay. And um, people used to import it into the United States because it was illegal. Um, I don't know if it has, it, it's made from wormwood, as you said. Okay. But I don't know if it has a hallucinogenic effects or what the deal is. Um, but I guess the U.S. got caught on uh, they caught on to the whole people importing it into the U.S. thing, and so now wormwood is, uh, or, or the the same procedure for making absinthe in foreign countries is now legal in the U.S. So it's just as likely that you'll get legit absinthe from your local liquor store as as anywhere else. So uh, the other bottle, the thirty-two dollar bottle, which I honestly I kind of wanted to buy because right on it said uh, with real wormwood and this does not say anything about wormwood it just says alcohol with natural flavors added. Hmm. So I have a friend who uh, makes absinthe, so I might have to try this drink again depending on how it goes. All right, well uh, I don't know if you've had a sip of yours, but I'm going to try a sip of mine here. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> oh. It's very um, flavorful. <laughs> now, what does it taste like? Because mine tastes primarily like absinthe. I can I can't even taste the Red Bull. Uh, yeah, which is basically black licorice. Yes. Um. Yeah. Wow. It's like it even smells like a black jelly bean. <laughs> well, this is going to take a while to go down. Hopefully, maybe that's what I used all the ice for to kind of water down that flavor. <laughs> yeah, I think um, I'm going to be adding more Red Bull as I go. You're right. This is like oh. drinking a black jelly bean. God, it's terrible. So thank you to whoever <laughs> suggested the Cybolt. It is disgusting. <laughs> oh, God. But, but through this through this hour or however long this episode is going to be, we will 
We will drink this thing down. Oh, I'm, I'm literally washing that flavor out of my mouth with the leftover red. I'm not going to get any sleep tonight. And I'm going to be drunk. Oh, my God. Well, maybe you won't get, I don't know, maybe the upper and the downer will cancel itself out. I just think we're going to die. Oh, <laughs> so bad. Oh. <clears throat> All right. Well, <clears throat> so the Cybolt, not not such not the greatest idea in the book. Would you, did, I wonder if listener who <laughs> I, again don't know who it is. I apologize. Uh, did you try this before you made this up? <laughs> I don't think you did. Um, all right. Well, let's uh, let's move on with the next portion of the show. <clears throat> What do we do, a comic book or something? What's going on here? Something like that. Um, as promised, I am reading from the comic book that some lucky listener will win. That sound is me pulling the comic book out of its poly bag. Ooh. I didn't really hear that very well. Could you reproduce that with mouth noises? No. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. And... uh like I said earlier, it's in it's in passable condition. Um, I would give it a CGC of like three. Oh, that's pretty low. <laughs> I mean, it's not torn or anything, but it's certainly been uh, well read. So by you, um, in mint condition when you got it. No. Oh, okay. Probably not. So this, no. This has been read by multiple people. Oh yeah, there's all sorts of DNA on these pages. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, on the cover of this one, you have got Kitty Pride in her uh, X-Men outfit. She's got a bucket of popcorn and a cup full of cola, and behind her there is a whole adventure scene going on. And There's uh, Storm and somebody above Storm who looks like Storm. If Storm hadn't been on the cover, I would have zoomed with Storm. Oh, it's, sorry, it's terrible. <laughs> It tastes like jelly. Do you not like uh, black licorice? I I love black jelly beans, but I I don't know if it's the Red Bull or the grenadine that's just like adding a sickeningly sweet flavor. I'm really glad I didn't put the sugar in there. Hmm. Although on the back of the bottle, it does say that the sugar is supposed to take away from the bitterness. And there is a little bit of bitterness there, but that's not what's bothering me. (laughs) It's just how thick it is. We must have different uh, ratios because I mine isn't. I don't taste any. I don't taste anything but black licorice. Mm. I don't know. All right. Well, anyways, <clears throat> and uh, uh, the poster that's on here, you've got uh, two renditions of Storm for some reason. Or no, no, that first one is not See, a rendition. That's what I of just Storm. said. See, see. What's that? I just said if I didn't realize, like, if Storm was not in the picture. I would have thought that one on the top was Storm. Yeah, I wasn't paying attention because I was reeling from the nasty drink I just had. Um, you were right. I, as I was reading this comic book the first time around, I was like, well, you know, I didn't even think about it, but that is not Storm. It's, it's a different character. I, I I think it's safe to say that that's Dark Phoenix. I, I, I'm not really terribly worried about spoiling this issue. And then uh, on the bottom, you've got a little uh, tiny Nightcrawler who's kind of uh, in that Japanime style. He's got a big head and a small body. Or he looks like a stuffed animal. Or a smurf. And he says, and now for now, and now for something completely different. And below them, uh, below everything, you've got like a little black dragon dude. Little black dragon dude. There's a guy on the side here who vaguely looks like Wolverine, but he's got like a little 
pink top hat, which is kind of cute. And above him, there is a guy with a gun who is clearly a major character in this issue. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I just added some more Red Bull. It's getting more tolerable. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I think I better add some more Red Bull. <clears throat> yeah, all right. So um, there's... Let's open this thing up. It is uh, written by Chris Claremont. Artists are Dave Cockrum, Joseph Rubenstein, and we've got Glennis Ween as the colorist, Tom Morzachowski lettering, Luis Jones is the editor, and Jim Shooter is the editor-in-chief. And uh, we are just coming off the events of the last issue, so the X-Men are, uh, as they often do, disassembling the wreckage of the mansion, I guess in hopes of putting some stuff back together. So... We had been through several problems with uh, where the danger room was being repaired. Mm-hmm. Now we're dealing with the rest of the mansion also being repaired. So it seems like nothing is ever going to get fixed. No, and as a matter of fact, um, somebody even says uh, that the danger room is broken again. Yep. So, uh, yep, Colossus is moving around debris. Um Storm is inside. She's hanging out with Carol Danvers, who's decided to, I guess, stay maybe since Avengers number 10. Or maybe she's by for an, uh, a visit. But either way. She's Xavier's patient, is oh, what okay. they say. Okay. So I don't know if that means she's living there or just stopping by regularly. But, okay. yeah, she's, she's, I don't know. She lost her powers, so I guess she's seeing Xavier. Sure. So... Uh, she's there. Storm is talking to her about kind of the events of the last issue and how her body is all beaten up because when she inhabited the body of Miss Frost, she had to treat her like a villain, even though it was her own body. And she's talking about how it's not fair that her body left basically unscathed. So she's whining. And that's when Nightcrawler bamfs in and says, The danger room, the prime computer, and one wing of the house are a total loss. But the hangar complex... And our Blackbird aircraft suffered minimal damage. Did you have you uh, have you been to a Hallmark like lately? You know <laughs> how they have ornaments. Are you asking if I've been to a Hallmark store, which is traditionally in a mall? No, yes. I have not been. Well, they they have their own stores too. You don't have to go to a mall. I don't I don't know if they have such things in Wisconsin, but they do here in Buffalo. <laughs> okay. No, I've not been to a Hallmark store in a very, very, very long time. Well, one of the ornaments that is on sale this year in the in the vehicles section is the SR-71 Blackbird. Is it the X-Men's Blackbird, or is it just a random Blackbird? It's just a random Blackbird, but it is the SR-71 Lockheed Blackbird. Ooh. So I thought that was kind of neat. Did you get one? I'm thinking about it. <laughs> well, I guess that means you would have to go to the Hallmark store then, huh? I've been there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, so yeah, Nightcrawler and the Professor are basically just saying that uh, they're going to have to make do. There's not enough time. They don't have tools and materials. And this is the first time the Professor's like, uh, oh my gosh, he's right. Uh, and he's even talking about re- uh, re- uh, financial resources have been uh, strained to the breaking point. And at this moment, he sees no viable solution. So finally, the X-Men are dealing with some financial woes, maybe. Yeah, for for how long an issue? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you know, I mean, this could, I, I don't really know what happens next, uh, but uh, th- that could lead into some interesting stories, but probably not. <laughs> Anyways, uh, from outside, uh, Colossus and Nightcrawler see Kitty phase through the ceiling, and she's like, 
Hey, I'm putting Ilana to bed. Hey, do you think this is where that um, Joss Whedon retcon happens? No, I don't think so. Do you know where that? Do you know where that happens specifically, or has that already happened? Wait, which one? The danger room one. Hmm. And now that you mention it, no, I don't. And now I would have to actually reread that to fully grasp what you're saying. Uh, well, mm. homework. Yeah, I've got it sitting behind me. Do you know what issue it's in? Um, it's in the second series, I guess. So issues seven through twelve, or something like that. Hmm. Not entirely sure. I have to check that out. No, I don't, I'm not sure, but I can tell you that Kitty's wearing an Elf Quest T-shirt. Yeah, which um, I wonder if like Chris Claremont is really into Elf Quest or something. This is this is not the only Elf Quest reference this issue has. Really? Okay, it's the only one I caught, but I'm not really an Elf Quest guy. So Kitty asks if uh, Colossus wants to have a hand in putting Ilana to bed. Colossus says he wa- he would, so he changes clothes and comes on upstairs, and they all. Kitty, Ilana, and Colossus talk in Russian. Because as we learn in a little bit, the professor taught everybody Russian. Telepathically, yes. So (laughs) does this hold? Or do they all like telepathically forget Russian later? I think they all telepathically forget Russian later. Because, I mean, if the professor can just telepathically teach everybody everything, I don't know. It's just too easy. Yeah, it's... It would have been more interesting if Kitty would have been like, oh... These Russian lessons that Colossus is giving me are really paying off. I can finally connecting with Alana. Yeah. Alana's got a Fozzie Bear stuffed animal. Yes, yeah, she does. That'll be an important stuffed animal coming up pretty quick. Oh yeah? Oh yeah, it's referenced again. Oh well not not too quickly, but soon. Anyways, uh they're talking Alana, she's a little afraid that maybe the bad men will come again. Uh but they're both like, We'll protect you. Don't worry about it. We got your back. Which begs the question, where was Ilana when the Hellfire Club invaded? And even more importantly, where was Carol Danvers? Uh, the professor has a panic room. Oh, okay. <laughs> and like that. that's where they were. Uh, so uh, Ilana asks for a bedtime story, but she specifically asks for Kitty to tell it because she tells the best stories. Oh, I am no good with stories. We we have established. Uh, I am not good at things, and so we get introduced to Kitty's fairy tale. Ooh, we've got a little playbill here. Kitty Pride as Pirate Kitty. Kitty Pride as Pirate Kitty. Peter Rasputin as Colossus, her true love. This this really doesn't work. No, I'm trying to make this into the Jetsons. It's not happening. Scott Summers as the Noble Prince, Charles Xavier as the Wizard, Aurora Storm as the Genie, Kurt Wagner Nightcrawler as, under protest, a Bamf. Have Bamfs been, like, a thing yet? Or is this the first introduction of a Bamf? Uh, you mean as, as, as what? I don't know, like a thing. Well, it's, it's the noise that Kurt makes when he teleports, and it's been referred to as, Kurf, Kurt, Bamf over there. Well, I know, but... Well, other than that, uh, other than that, no, I don't think so. Are there little Bamf characters that show up later on in the Marvel universe, or am I just, ma- or is the Wormwood affecting me already? I think in Wolverine and the X Men. Okay. Oh they're, yeah, yeah. They're those little Nightcrawler guys. Yeah. I think they probably refer to them as Bamfs. Logan Wolverine as the Fiend with no name. 
the SR-71 Blackbird as <gasps> Lockheed the Dragon. Jean Grey, Phoenix as the Enchanted Princess. So would this technically be the first appearance of Lockheed? Mm, yes. No. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Adding some more uh, Red Bull to my drink. <clears throat> so we start off the fairy tale now. We're in the story within a story. And uh, Kitty, uh, Pirate Kitty and Colossus are swashbuckling their way through, I don't know, a castle or something. Yes, they are swashbucklers, and the first page is sort of a splash page to show them swashbuckling. We learn a little bit about their escapades and uh, how Colossus can magically transform himself into a man of steel, and when he does, he possesses the strength of an army. And then we eventually get to our story where the two of them, Kitty and Colossus, discover some local hooligans picking on a prince and a wizard. I wonder who those are. Well, according to the playbill, the prince is Cyclops and the wizard is Charles Xavier. Oh. (laughs) So uh, the hooligans, uh, or the the riffraff, or what do they call them here? Oh, um, wharf rats. They are shaking down the wizard and the prince for their gold. And uh, that's when they grab the prince by his neck, pull him back, and his deadly eyes fire off. And that's when we find out that he has a curse. My curse! My deadly curse! One of the wharf rats is like, uh, grab him by the neck and slit his throat. And they're about to do that, but then Colossus grabs him and says... He grabs the guy, and the guy says, hey, let go of my arm, and then he throws him and says, if you insist, happy landings. The wharf rats are like, it's Pirate Kitty and Colossus. Run! So apparently, Pirate Kitty and Colossus are quite well known in this land of make-believe. The professor is humorously upside down from the skirmish. Mm-hmm. Ha-ha. That's very ha. Funny. He's uh-huh. not quite used to these physical altercations. Colossus gently right sides him, turns him around, and they're like, What are you doing around here? And that's where they introduce themselves and they give a little bit of backstory about how they're trying to save Cyclops in his realm from his beloved Princess Jean, who has been transformed into the absolute evil Phoenix, or Dark Phoenix. This close-up of the professor, it looks very old. Yeah, definitely. Got some saggy, baggy eyes there. Uh, Cyclops's uh, optic blasts are kept in check by a low-hung turban, which is interesting. And uh, they give a little bit of backstory on the Phoenix, and she shows up. And she's like, hey. He has become the destroyer of the chaos, the ravager of worlds. She is Dark Phoenix, a bringer of life, of love, of joy. She is absolute evil. What else What else is she? She's Well, she's Dark Phoenix. Duh. But what, what is that classic Chris Claremont thing? Oh, she's power incarnate. Right, right, right. Something like that. <laughs> um, oh, there she is. She is a goddess incarnate in, in the next page. So she's firing at the wharf, sinking all of the boats, uh, and then she's taunting the wizard and the prince, saying that their quest is over and uh, that they're going to get them sucker. So she starts firing. Colossus is able to block one of her bolts, saving Kitty, and the professor then yanks out a little orb and points it at Dark Phoenix and says, go away, and she does. 
apparently this orb is the uh, life essence of old Gene. Good Gene. Good old Gene. <laughs> That's all it took. So then Kitty is like, well, we got no boats, but I've got an idea. So she attempts to use some magical force powers to raise up a boat. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But she doesn't. Uh, it's actually Lockheed who comes out of the water. And he's huge. Is this supposed to be a reference to that issue 150 where she pretended to use her force powers? It seems to me that it is. I mean, she's doing the little finger thing there, but I don't know. Maybe not. Uh, so Lockheed, the dragon, who is huge and black and very much looks like the SR-71, comes out of the water and he's got an attitude. He's like, hey, I'm the last of my kind and I don't want to do all your errands. Because every time I do, I almost die, and I'm sick of it. I kind of feel like he's got a uh, a very feminine sort of uh, voice. Watch it. I'm the last of me kind, darling. Yeah, something like that. Why Why does he call her Colleen with three E's? I don't know if that's maybe just like Lockheed tongue for woman, or if it's a reference to Colleen Wing, which I find highly unlikely. I don't think it's a reference to Colleen Wing, but I was wondering, is does like is is it another name for Kitty or something like that? I don't know. He seems to possibly be uh, Irish or Scottish based on the way his dialect is written. So I don't know if Colleen with three E's is something. I'm guessing that the three E's is a is a typo. <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> maybe we could have googled that. Unless it's, what do you mean, us, Colleen? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, maybe he's a very squealy dragon. (laughs) Or maybe he talks like smog. You know, I have not actually seen that movie, so don't spoil it for me. By by speaking like smog? (laughs) I have not seen the movie. All right, I I won't do it then. I didn't even know what smog was until uh, recently I picked up the Hobbit video game for GameCube, which was released way back in like 2001. And I opened it up, and it's like, Smog the Dragon. I was like, oh, for God's spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sure. I didn't know he was a dragon, and now I do, and that sucks. Well, not really. I, I, Yeah, I don't think by knowing he was a dragon, you would have been like, whoa! <laughs> that just blew my mind. Uh, no, I've said this before, that I'm waiting for the third to come out, and I'm just going to marathon him and be done with him. Are you going to do two at home and one in the theater? No, no. Oh. Okay. <laughs> so I'll be waiting for a while because I don't think the third one's come out yet, has it? Nope. Well, yeah. it's it's coming out, I think, at the end of the year. Yeah. No, so it'll probably be coming out this year, like in December or something. I'm very out of the loop when it comes to those movies, and that's okay by me. So she is able to convince Lockheed to take them on their quest, and that's where we flash into real life where Nightcrawler has actually been listening in on the story, and he is enthralled. So much so that when uh, Wolverine comes walking by with uh, out a shirt and he's got a towel on, he's smoking a cigar, he's like, come here, Wolverine, listen to the story. It's magnificent. Why? <laughs> it better be good, Fuzzy, because I feel pretty silly standing here, and I don't like to feel silly. <laughs> That's good Wolverine dialogue. It's the best, uh, I'm the best at what I do, and what I do isn't feeling silly. <laughs> Wouldn't Wolverine's uh, cigar kind of give away the fact that he's out in the hall? Yeah, wouldn't somebody be like, it smells like cigar out there? No, guess not. So they're flying, uh, we're back in the fairy tale, by the way. Uh, they're flying on the Lockheed 
dragon and uh, Lockheed eventually gets hungry and says, we got to land so I can get some food. I'm so hungry. I'm so hungry. The professor is just terrible. Like it's his, the drawing of this guy is ridiculous. This, this beard looks like it's just, I don't know. It's bad. It's very bad. He's just like going on and on and on about how awesome Gene was and the Phoenix Force was corrupting and all that. That's all stuff that we already know. So they land on the island. Lockheed's like, I'm going to go get me some food. And uh, Colossus is like, I'm going to go take a walk. And Professor and, or I mean, the Wiz and the Prince, I don't know what they're going to do. But they're not going to hang out with Kitty. Nope. Kitty's going to hang out by herself and catch some Zs. There's a little dude with pointy ears in the bushes who's like, uh, they're leaving the girl alone. Great. Okay, so he's talking to this little uh, butterfly girl who looks naked. Yeah. Who says, big things. <laughs> and, um, That's funny because when I read that, I read that as B-I-G-H-T-H-I-N-G-S. And I was like, I don't know what that is. <laughs> big things. <laughs> I was like, bitings. Maybe that's like a... Gaelic thing, I don't know. No, but yes, it says big things. And uh Nightcrawler or or uh blue blue creature uh calls out there and says, Hush, Peeny, they'll hear you. And uh this character is never seen again, but I believe this is a reference to Wendy Peeny, one of the creators of ElfQuest. Ah. So is the deal with the ElfQuest thing, guys, are they small or are they elf size? I don't know, I never read ElfQuest. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, so anyways, Kitty, Pirate Kitty, she's laying there enjoying, uh, her dream or something when all of a sudden she hears a noise and then from out, from nowhere, Bamf jumps out and says, I'm a Bamf and you're a girl. I want to make beautiful music together. I'm no girl. I'm a pirate and I'm dreaming. This is too ridiculous to be real. And then he Bamfs into her face. Yeah. So then we flash into real life, and Kurt is like, Ah, I don't know whether to die of a basement or strangle Kitty. Grin and bear it, bub. I think she pegged you just right, you that... bamfer. <laughs> Carol, take a pew. Take a pew? <laughs> take a pew and listen up. Kitty's been in the sweetest yarn since Casablanca, the only other movie I've ever seen. <laughs> so... Uh, Carol Danvers is wearing a Shazam shirt, which is weird. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, maybe that's a reference to something else. Well, maybe, maybe maybe it's a Captain Marvel shirt. Right, right. But not Marvel's Captain Marvel, DC's Captain Marvel. Yes. <laughs> no? I don't know. Well, it gets confusing because a little later on here, there's actually an advertisement in this comic book that I'm reading that one of our listeners is going to win for a Captain Marvel comic book, which is Marvel's Captain Marvel. It's very confusing. Mm. Oh, no, it's uh, Captain Marvel in flea bargaining, if you remember the old Hostess Twinkies uh, cartoons. Oh, okay. So <laughs> there you go. That That's in this comic book. Do we have to do that? <laughs> I don't think so. That's part of the issue. No, I've been I've been skipping all of the ads, so uh, no, we don't have to do that one either. Uh, so back in the fairy tale, Kitty notice Pirate Kitty notices that the Bamp stinks when he uh, teleports. Where'd you go, fella, and why'd you come back? Oh, we can teleport. It's easy and fun. I come back because I'm in love with you. And then, like seven more Bamps show up, and they're like, "Girl, where are mine? I saw her first." Tough. 
And the original Bamf presumably grabs a stick and pounds them all into dust. Beat it, bozos! Run! Spoil sport. Gee, he's cute when he's mad. So, yeah, these they're not just heterosexual. They are just sexual, sexual Bamfs. Good for them. I think they're asexual, like Smurfs. No, because these guys appear to be attracted to anything, whereas well, right. Smurfs were never attracted to anything. Do anything about it. Oh, right. So she comes. Uh, he comes back and says that uh, now that he has saved Kitty from all of the Bamfs, he would like a kiss as a reward. Colossus, where are you when I really need you? Not that I really need you, just kind of want you here. <laughs> this creepy thing's kind of creeping me out. So meanwhile, Colossus is a few miles down the shore, and he's thinking to himself about how he how he loves nature and being one with the land, and Kitty's from the big city, and his type of fun would bore her, and blah de blah de blah but he finds a bottle. And what does he do? He opens the bottle because he thinks maybe there'll be a genie inside. By the white wolf, he says the, for the first time inside of a story told by Kitty. Yeah, yeah. First appearance. And outside of the bottle comes Aurora, or uh, I guess Windrider, rather. I am Windrider. For liberating me, stranger, thou hast mine eternal gratitude. No wishes. <laughs> what? <laughs> Worst genie ever. She says, ask thy heart's desire and it will be thine. And then quickly changes the subject and it never, like, classes never once says, oh, wait, that whole thing about my heart's desire, I, I, want, I want a car. <laughs> exactly. Nope. Uh, so he, she also mentioned something about the evil one, and uh, he Colossus asks her to clarify. I am Colossus. You spoke of an evil one. Is that your heart's desire? <laughs> Here's the evil one. No, 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 no. I, I, I wanted a car. I wanted a Bentley. <laughs> oh, I have an evil one now. It's not good. So she goes on about how she and Jean used to be friends, and then things happened, and it sucked, and then Dark Phoenix came. Yeah, Dark Phoenix has much to answer for when next we meet. My comrades and I also seek the Phoenix. We would be honored if you join us, stranger, who owes me a, a heart's desire. <laughs> and so the genie has joined the little group. Um, Bamf is kicking other Bamfs away. Bamfity, Bamf, Bamf, Bamf. Fink, I won't say it again, creeps. Scram! Are you really a goddess, Windrider? And that's when the Tasmanian Devil shows up. That's my Tasmanian Devil impression. Very quiet. It's like a vacuum cleaner. <laughs> he shows up. Not only is he uh, the Tasmanian Devil, he's got... Uh, this is weird, because I want to talk about this in a little bit, but on his uh, left hand, he's got three claws, and in his right hand, he's carrying a six-pack of Coors. Is it Coors? I thought it was cola. Oh, I'm, that's that's a Coors C. I mean, it doesn't out-and-out out say Coors, but I, it's yellow and the black C. That's, that's, that's a six-pack of Coors. All right, I suppose you're probably right. I could swear I thought it was cola for a reason, mm. though, but probably not. I probably just couldn't think of a beer that started with C. And uh, somebody's like, who the heck are you? And he's like, I'm mean. <laughs> Check out my little hat. <laughs> he does. It's not pink like the cover, but he's got little itty bitty legs and a huge torso and a 
pretty big head. Yeah. And so he's like, I come a long way, uh, a long, hard way. Diggin's hot and thirsty work. So he's a digger. Maybe that's what he uses his claws for. So he takes one of his coors, he just eats it, it spits out the can, and there you go. Impossible. <laughs> no, it's right here on the pages that I'm looking at. Meanwhile, back in the hallway, Ha, Kitty may have pegged me, mein Freund, but she scored you. What's the matter, elf? Jealous? Yeah. <laughs> Professor Scotty, join the party. No, that's, I think that's Carol. Oh, Professor Scotty, join the party. I'm doing my Wolverine impression. <laughs> we wouldn't miss it for the world, Carol. It has been too long since these halls have heard the sounds of laughter. They're coming around the corner like they know what's going on. They've got big smiles on their faces. The professor has clearly been spying on them. Well, yeah, the professor has been telepathically picking all, uh, picking up all this story. Everybody's standing in the hallway. Hmm. <laughs> Scott, we must go investigate. <laughs> So they get uh, back into the story here, and the the fiend is like, "Now I've downed a brew. It's time for business. I had a feeling for I had feelings for Jeannie Bub, and she for me. You stole her away, and you're gonna pay." So basically, he wants to settle his vendetta against Prince Cyclops. So if I was Wolverine standing in the hallway, I'd be kind of embarrassed. <laughs> no kidding, because like the story is kind of poking fun at him a little bit, and also kind of like revealing that. Everybody knows. Mm-hmm. But I guess nobody really cares. Um, let's see. Colossus jumps in. And I really like this last panel on this page of Colossus and his uh, accentuated facial expression. Yeah, that's, that's a good one. It's a very and good And it panel. shows how short the fiend is. Picks the fiend up and he's like, I suggest, Tavarish, that you save your prayers for yourself. You will need them. Kacha as my friend. Uh, Prince... What's-his-face says, The fiend thought himself my rival for Jean. He never accepted her love for me. Be warned, Pirate Kitty, he is not one for talk. Turn straight out of my way, short stuff. And that's when Colossus, or Cyclops pops his claws. What did I just say? The fiend pops his claws. And from behind him, somebody else is like, Whoop-dee-doo, just what I've been looking for. Dessert! And that's when Wolverine uncharacteristically, or I guess the Fiend characteristically, goes, Yow! Colossus is like, do you mind? And uh, like a cat, the Fiend is like all up on his head, like, give me away. Do you mind? And so Lockheed is like, come on, let me eat him. He looks good. Behave yourself, Lockheed. And that goes triple, triple for you, Fuzzy, or else. So, I mean, whatever. Uh, they, they they have the Fiend join their group, which makes no sense since he just threatened all of their lives. But whatever. It's a fairy tale. Uh, accompanied now by the Fiend with no name and the Genie, they all fly off on the back of Lockheed, heading towards the sun. But they are immediately attacked by the sun. Oh, oh no. My God, the sun's attacking them. Dark Phoenix, here comes the sun. Do, do, do. Yes, the sun has turned into Dark Phoenix. And she's like, the moment of truth is at hand. Now and forever, I am Phoenix. Oh, wait. um, No, she doesn't say that part. I am power incarnate. <laughs> and everyone's like, Magneto, what are you doing here? The Bam says, gee, I hope she's friendly. Ha <laughs> ha. Wolverine says, genie. 
Wow! And his little hat flies up off his head. <laughs> and she, how brave you all are. I pity that you, I can't, I can see past the facade to sense the terror in your hearts. That soul-shriveling, mind-numbing fear will be as fleeting as your lives. And she shoots them. And this is a chance for us to uh, go back into our Jean Grey voice. As your lives! There we go. <laughs> <laughs> So she shoots. Uh, everybody's fine. She says, not dead. I'm impressed. I suspect Xavier. This is your doing. Consider it your swan song. He, he used his mystic shields to protect them. And everybody goes into attack mode. Um, Colossus and Kitty kind of don't really do anything because they can't because they're stuck on Lockheed's back. Uh, this I don't know I, I I guess I'll talk about this later but yeah this is you know kind of ineffective of the the heroes of this story. What's that? Uh, just like I, the it's weird that Chris Claremont would write a story where the supposed heroes of the story are ineffective through so much of the story. Well, Kitty is kind of taking a leadership role uh, role and you're right they don't her and Colossus don't do much because they can't do much but. She orders Lockheed to fire all of the flame that he has at uh, Gene. And Lockheed's like, no, it's not going to do any good. And she's like, just do what I say. And he's like, I'm not going to do it. And that's when Wolverine pops his claw and stabs Lockheed in the back. And that's when uh, everybody flies off Lockheed's back and he releases a huge bolt of fire. Which is kind of funny. Oops, says Wolverine. Or a fiend with no name. As they all go flying off their back, and Kitty's like, You dummy, he hates that. He hates being stabbed in the back. <laughs> I do it all the time, and he hates it. <laughs> I know through experience. And so, finally, the genie comes out and maybe gives, maybe this was Colossus's heart's desire, but he gives everybody... I would like to not die. <laughs> he gives everybody wings. Colossus gets, like, some metal hang-gliding uh, wings with, like, missiles on them. Well, those are, like, plane wings, aren't they? Yeah, they're definitely airplane wings. Uh, Wolverine gets bat wings. Uh, Nightcrawler gets, like, little fly wings. Fairy wings. Fairy wings, there you go. And Kitty gets uh, butterfly wings. And she's like, what kind of wings are these for Pirate Kitty? Scourge of the Seven Seas! Yuck! But the one who gets the best of all is Cyclops Prince, Noble <laughs> Prince. He gets a chair <laughs> with a little rotor on the back, and he's, like, flying around in his little chair. And not only that, not only can he fly in his chair, but his chair magically enables him to see through the blindfold that contains his cursed eyes of death. So where, what's happening to the professor right now? Uh, the professor is... Falling to his death? Yeah, I guess he's dead. <laughs> oh, no, he's on a he's on a magic carpet. Oh, okay. Or he's the wizard. Got it. So they're like, well, we all got wings. Cyclops can see. So now that we've got the means, what are we waiting for? Charge! Uh, the dragon Lockheed attacks the fiend with no name in a little little comic bit, knocking him aside. Hold it, Fuzzball. You and me got a score to settle. And he whaps the fiend into Dark Phoenix, who's like, who dares? Who else, babe? 
And... And she says, Fiend, your tempted fate for the last time. Talk is cheap, Star Mama. Don't call me Star Mama. <laughs> and that's when the wizard flies out with his magic carpet, as you said, and he pulls out his little gene ball and shoots it at Phoenix, which absorbs, I, I don't know what happens here, absorbs the Phoenix force maybe and casts it out. Something like that. Who cares? There's some fighting. <laughs> Phoenix force goes away. Basically, uh, Phoenix, Dark Phoenix, turns back into Jean Grey. Yeah, there's like a giant squid or something that like pulls the Phoenix effect out of Jean, pulls it into space. Jean falls to the ground. Uh, the curse has been lifted off of Prince Cyclops so he can take his blindfold off. My eyes, my accursed eyes are normal. My my normal eyes, my normal, normal eyes. And so he and Jean snuggle a little bit. They end up getting married, and they live happily ever after. The uh, the fiend disappears. He's no longer relevant. <laughs> nope. And the bamf is gone again. I just why why not? Why would why would Chris Claremont craft a story about Kitty and Colossus that they have pretty much zero uh, part in? They're the glue that brought the um, team together. Kitty is not a very good storyteller. That's what I have learned. So they go back to the real world. They all get wings and they all charge and nothing happens. Alana is sleeping. She's like, my story must have been really terrible because she fell asleep and she's not awake anymore. Let's tiptoe out of here. And she's like, what did you think of my story, Colossus? And then Nightcrawler says, truth. What does that mean? Truth, cats, John? Sure, Nightcrawler. Like, like, do you want the truth, maybe? Well, then wouldn't that be a question mark? Yeah. It's an exclamation mark. Truth. Yo, you really uh, you really got to the heart of matters there. <laughs> truth, Catchin. Truth. Nightcrawler. Oh, no. To be honest, Kitty. Says the professor. And then <laughs> we thought it was great, says Colossus, to finish his thought. Especially the ending. Thank you. <laughs> the professor was about to say, it sucked. But Cyclops jumped in and was like, we thought it was great. Shut up, Professor. She's just a girl, for God's sakes. <laughs> and the narration box at the bottom says, there are a myriad of dimensions, an infinite number of alternate realities. Somewhere, somehow, Scott knows the lovers did indeed live happily ever after. And for that, he is content. Colossus has some awesome red pants. Next issue, Dancing with the Stars. I mean... Reunion with the Star Jammers. Star Jammers jamming <laughs> across the universe. Star Jammers. Here you go. This omnibus is done. Well, you're done with your omnibus? I'm done with my omnibus. Oh, dude, that sucks. I don't know what I, I we're going to have to take uh, a hiatus until the next omnibus comes out. I've got five issues left in my Marvel Masterworks, and then I believe there's another Ma Marvel Masterworks after this, so I'm good for like 15 more weeks. No. <laughs> uh, in the back of this issue, to the one lucky winner who gets it, there is a listing of comic book stores in Arizona, California, Florida, Illinois, Indiana, Missouri, New Mexico, Texas, and that's it. Apparently there were no other comic book stores in the United States in 1981. No. <laughs> or comic book stores that wanted to advertise in Marvel, I guess. All righty. So, where are you in your Cybolt? <laughs> you reached the halfway mark. 
No. Well, I mean, I've been backfilling it with Red Bull, so uh, it, it actually looks like it's only a quarter drink. I'm almost to the halfway point. Maybe I am towards the halfway point because it gets smaller. So, yeah, I'm, a, I'm at the halfway point. Yeah, it's... I'm definitely feeling the effects of the absinthe, and it's definitely tasting more like Red Bull now that I've added the entire contents of the Red Bull. How big was the can of Red Bull that you bought? Um, I, 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 I bought an 8.4-ounce one. Okay, same here. Because you can, you can get them like in 8.4, 12, 16, and 20 or something. Yeah, they come pretty large, but I bought what is, I guess, the standard four-pack. Okay. I just bought a single can because my fear is like I've, I work with a lot of people that, that'll that drink Monster or Red Bull or any one of those energy drinks. And my thought is like if I go down that path, I never come back. So like I've only ever had Red Bull or Monster or Afterburner or whatever the hell those drinks are called in a alcohol drink. I've never had like a can of it because I'm just afraid of what would happen afterwards. You know what's good? Red Bull and Guinness. Really? Yeah. That doesn't sound good at all, but... No, it doesn't, but it's actually quite good. And um, uh, we, my friends and I in early college made our own variation where we would take uh, these lights, um, like I guess bike lights that would flash red to let you know, like let, let cars know that you were on the street. Mm-hmm. We would put them at the bottom of the glass. Probably not the healthiest thing, but, you know. Meh. It made the glass flash red. It was exciting. That's before people knew about BPH and the poisoning therein. So we got a goofy message uh, using the Google Voice, and it goes like this. Hello, hi, this is Jake Ivey from Connecticut. I've been a stand to be getting high. I'm on Facebook. I follow you guys, aren't whether I send messages and emails, and left for you is. I'm just thinking of the good work, and I'd love to win that car. Thanks, bye. (laughs) What? So I'm not really sure if that's what he intended to say. So let's find out uh, directly from Jake Ivey what he actually said. Hi, this is uh, Jake Ivey from Connecticut. Um, I've been a fan since the beginning. I'm on Facebook. Um, I follow you guys on Twitter. I've sent messages and emails and left reviews. I'm just saying keep up the good work, and I'd love to win that comic. Thanks. So for that, Jake Ivey, the comical transcription as well as your nice message, you get double entry points. So wait, what was the transcription? I'm confused. (laughs) Google took that voice message and transcribed it into the text I just read. Do you want me to read it again, Adam? Okay, no, no, no. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just hoping that he doesn't actually think he's going to win a car like Google (laughs) thinks he said. So there you go. All right. And we also got another voicemail from, I think it's James Howlett. Let's hear it. Hey, Slutters and Sensei Tales. This is James Howlett calling here. Just wanted to say, keep listening to the Danger Room, bub. Peace out. Awesome. So that puts him into the drawing for issue number 153, which uh, we are... We are going to do that right now, Adam. This is where you insert a drum roll. Oh, uh, wait, am I supposed to insert a audio clip of a drum roll? It's totally up to you. If you want to keep your, uh, your, your voice representation of one, that's awesome. I was thinking of like, you know, stealing one from the internet and putting it in there, but it's totally up to you, man. 
All right. And out of the thousands of people who entered the contest, are you ready? I'm ready. Here we go. I'm pushing the big... We had this thing flown in from Hollywood. It's a big red button with a big banner up there that randomly draws numbers. And I have it in my basement right now. I'm going to push that big red button. Are you ready, Adam? I'm ready. Okay. You're not helping me with the build-up. Okay, here we go. I'm pushing the oh, button. I am so ready, man. I'm psyched. I am like, whoa. Perfect. Here we go. Boop, 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 beep, boop, boop, beep, boop, boop. And the winner is Jake Ivey. Yay! <laughs> this is where you play some like Grammy music and some applause and all that sort of stuff. I'll do none of that. <laughs> So we will be reaching out to listener Jake I before his address and information, posting it with this podcast. No, I'm kidding. And mailing him a copy of the X-Men number 153, which was read uh, on the Danger Room podcast. Wasn't that exciting, Adam? Oh, that was very exciting. So what should Jake I do? Just contact us at dangerroom at redcapproductions.com? Exactly. And give us his, uh, his details and... Uh, he, his comic book will be screaming through the mail, first class, nothing but the best, to his doorstep. Uh, and on that note, that uh, was a fun little thing for us to do. Uh, like I said earlier, a few episodes ago, I have a bunch of other doubles that as we progress through the podcast, I uh, will be putting out in a similar fashion. Um, I think the next one, and this is a while away, is uh, issue number 164 with binary, binary on the cover. So... Uh, get ready for that. That'll be exciting. Adam, do you want to win it? I'm okay. Oh, because if you want to win it, all you have to do is leave us some feedback. I have several copies of issue 281 to give away. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> we should just give those away to everybody. <laughs> or like every 10th fan that we have, we'll just like, here, have a 281. So if you'd like to get in on the fun, potentially recommend a drink for us, uh, you can do so by emailing us at dangerroom at redcapproductions.com, visiting us at www.facebook.com forward slash dangerroompodcast, or visiting our webpage, www.xmenpodcast.com, or you can follow us on Twitter. We are at dangerroomgo. Go out to iTunes. Type in Danger Room, follow, uh, find the podcast on there, leave us a five-star review, subscribe, uh, send us some words of encouragement, all good things. If you have a mobile device and you're of the Stitcher uh, persuasion, you can find us there. Uh, yeah, all sorts of good ways. You can also uh, call us, 501-GET-X-MEN. Jake Ivey showed you all how easy it was. You can do the same thing. Go make yourself a Cybolt and call us and tell us how it was oh don't don't make yourself a side <laughs> okay fine make yourself another x-men related drink give us a call tell us the recipe and tell us how it was or i have been giving out fastball specials like i've made like so many fastball specials for so many friends and they all love it i've yet to have somebody not like a fastball special well, there you go are you providing the booze or are you taking their booze and making the drink both. Because <laughs> I'm just saying, like, if I'm at a party and some guy's like, hey, you want a fastball special? I'm like, oh, sure. And they just give me a glass full of booze. I'm going to be like, this is awesome. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm not going to be like, oh, yuck. Dump this out. Go give me a Coors. I don't know. I think if somebody made, if I made somebody a Cybolt and it was my own liquor, I think they'd still be like, can you make me something else? 
Well, based on the amount of Red Bull and absinthe I put in this drink, I would have to wager that this would be a $15 drink at a bar. <laughs> yeah, there, there's got to be uh, a, a, a ratio to this drink that is actually good. And the next question is, what the hell am I going to do with the rest of this absinthe? <laughs> uh, you're going to buy a box of um, sugar cubes. <laughs> yeah. And you're going to master the art of burning sugar cubes and uh, doing absinthe shots. Flaming absinthe shots. They're f- Oh, um, excuse me. <laughs> you <edit> that out. <laughs> no, just put a beep there. It'll be funnier. <laughs> They're good. They're good. Those absinthe shots are good. Okay. I, I've eventually passed the point of no return. I guess the drink is affecting Adam. Oh, crap. <laughs> All righty. So... More drinks. People got to give us more drinks. Yes, uh, so I can put more booze in my liquor cabinet that I will never drink. Yes, same here. <laughs> I, I'm starting up a fancy liquor desk. I need to buy. I need to buy a cabinet. A, a, a liquor curio. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> liquor curio. Uh, yeah. So I mean, the last time we made fastball specials, I bought Canadian whiskey and Kahlua, and I still have that Canadian whiskey and Kahlua. What about the vodka? Uh, no, that was leftover sky. That, that's, that, I don't think sky ever goes bad, but I got to be honest. I think that sky is from the same era as that, um, grenadine from 2007 that I threw out. Oh boy. I, I well, don't probably, yeah, like you said, it's probably fine. I don't drink booze. I mean, I like beer, but booze, I don't, I don't really do so much. So you, there was a period in my life where I was drinking fastball specials, like one a night. Really? It probably only lasted like two to three weeks but it was it was nice hmm. i slept well yeah i might have to dig up that recipe because i do have the ingredients for fastball specials i've got it memorized <laughs> all right we have more show to do here folks we've got uh amazing adventure bizarre adventures even ah. we, we're, we're finally going to do the last story from bizarre adventures 27 you may remember this one as the phoenix story where she uh almost gets sexually assaulted by a fishman atuma and the nightcrawler story where we learn what happened to the vanisher which was a good story well there's still one more story left and it is an Iceman story and we get uh compiled from the files of professor x X-Men Data Log Iceman. His name is Robert L. Drake from Flora Park, New York. Parents Robert N. and Beatrice Drake. And his powers are described as cryothermic and is actually says um, that he is able to concentrate and freeze the moisture around him uh, into a protective covering. His mental control of this ice-generating power is such that he can create vast sheets of ice, blah, blah, blah. So basically he takes moisture out of the air to create ice, and he's also able to control existing ice. Yeah. Ruby. One of the original X-Men. As well as being a founding member of the short-lived champion super team, Robert is currently furthering his education major uh, at a uh, education at a major Eastern University. Is it the same university that Jean Grey went to? I don't believe so, but <laughs> but it's not Dartmouth College where this story takes place. This story is called uh, Winter Carnival, and it is written by Mary Jo Duffy, mm-hmm. and the art is by George Perez with Alfredo Alcala. And it's pretty good artwork, i got to be honest. 
<clears throat> black and white, as the rest of these stories have been. We find Bobby Drake sitting, uh, standing in, I don't know, the courtyard or what have you, of Dartmouth College. And apparently this year's ice sculpture theme is superheroes. So we've got a Thor, some other characters I can't recognize, and an angel. Uh, yes, there's a Thor and there is a Captain Marvel, which at first I thought was like, is that Psylocke? But no, <laughs> no. it's not Psylocke. Okay. The other person looks like Deadpool, but I don't think it is. And when we go to the next page, we see a Captain America, a Hulk, a Nova. Uh, I think this is um, Carol Danvers. Yes, yes. This, that was the one that I thought was Psylocke. Well, every time I see an ice sculpture version of Captain Marvel or uh, Miss Marvel, Ms. Marvel, I yeah. think it's, it's, it's Psylocke. Yeah. And so and he... there's another one in the background. Oh, yeah. Underneath Cap's shield. I, I don't know who that is either. Yeah. Maybe it's Kesar. <laughs> I bet you it is. And Bobby Drake here, he's like, well, there's no Iceman. That's kind of robbery. He's like, well, why aren't the uh, X-Men represented other than Angel? I mean, it's cool about Angel, but what, what, what about, there's no X-Men current or uh, past. What, what the heck? So he takes his gloves off and he whips himself up a quick Iceman ice sculpture. And he does a really good job, which, you know, why isn't he in an ice sculpture artist. Well, because he'd be cheating. He should make the whole X-Men team. Although he does he have the champion's belt on. Yeah. Well, he also he runs out of time uh, because from behind him come some uh, frat people. And they're like, hey, who put these ice sculptures in front of our frat house? I bet it was those animals from Alpha Delta. Delta. It looks like they're shabby workmanship. Did you see where it came from, Drake? And he, uh, Bobby Drake, uh, answers by throwing a snowball at the lead frat dude, at which the druggy frat dude says, Hey, all right, snowball fight! Which was unintentionally a rhyme. <laughs> all right, snowball fight. Yeah, he looks like he's been, uh, he's a definitely a Grateful Dead fan. <laughs> Yeah, everybody against Bobby. Fight with me, you tools. So they all start a big uh, snowball fight, which descends into basically everybody throwing snowballs at everybody until one guy in a scarf decides to ruin it all and says, Hey, Drake's been pummeled. Let's stop the snowball fight. And he, then he continues, come on, why don't you just admit the best man won? And then the jerk guy says, the best man did win, me. And Drake says, good, just so it's settled. Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this part was a little bit confusing here. But that's when we hear from off panel, help! Somebody stop those men, they're stealing the computer system. Stealing components of the computer system. They're not even stealing the. Com they're stealing like the motherboard, <laughs> some maybe some chips, some some RAM, trans <laughs> some transistors, and they're running away. And they're like, "Uh oh, campus fuzz up ahead." And this is where I got really confused because they whip out guns and they are shooting these people in the chests. Oh, I didn't even realize that. And they're like, "Oh no, please, I," and he's dead. Don't, and he's dead. And the next guy is oh, dead. Oh, I see, I see. Before, okay, in the first panel he says, 
get ready to blast them. Set the guns to stun. Oh. they have guns that are able to stun. So I missed that little dialogue. And so I'm like looking at this like, oh, my God, this comic book is pretty serious. Like, these people are dead. Because then the next panel is like, uh, one witness, however, has managed to duck out of the line of fire. And, of course, that's Bobby Drake. And you're like, oh, my God, he just witnessed a whole bunch of people get shot in the chest and they're dead. And he's like... No more Mr. Nice Guy. It's time for Vigilante Iceman. But then further on in the comic book when everything's settled and they're doing like carnival games, it's like, well, this doesn't make any sense. Those guys were killed. <laughs> <laughs> so this makes a lot more sense now. Oh, not only that, but I mean, if these guys were killed, why would you be having carnival games? That's exactly what I was like. Why are they doing ice slides and like... Well, anyways. All right, so they are stunned. Uh, but Iceman is still uh, pissed off. So he turns into Iceman and he freezes some guys and... Killing him. Killing him instantly from hypothermia. He makes another we guy... Can, in the, put a block of ice around a human, that human is dead. I'm we, sorry. We've established this before. Iceman is a murderer. Um, he freezes another bad guy into a ball of snow, shooting him down a hill. And See, that doesn't kill anybody. That makes sense. <laughs> He shoots another guy in the face with a big ice chunk, or an ice boomerang, I should say. That looks like it's very painful, but <laughs> probably doesn't kill him. Right. So two of the guys are just kind of uh, incapacitated, and one of them is frozen to death. <laughs> <laughs> and the hippie guy watches on as the officer shows up. Uh, campus reinforcements, which presumably is like the on-campus cop, who probably doesn't carry a gun. No. It's sad. Mr. Iceman, we can't tell you how grateful we are to you. That new computer system is very important to the school. <laughs> a professor from off-panel is like, Indeed, if you hadn't stopped those hoodlums when you did, it would have been disastrous. I can't believe it. The Iceman here, now of all times. You've got to stay and join the fun. It'll be neat. And this is where they have toboggan runs and flips and snowball fights. And I'm like, three people are dead. <laughs> How can they be doing this right now? But, no. but it turns out they're not dead. Um, this would actually be pretty awesome. If, I, if Iceman was a real dude <laughs> and you could do toboggan slides down an ice slide, that would be awesome. He's doing like ice javelins and diving through ice rings and ice pole vaulting. And everyone's like, Iceman, Iceman, Iceman. Well, what makes no sense is that it says, regardless of the game or whose rules they play by, he wins every time. And again, he is best at everything. Finally, to be fair, he drops out and begins to judge the others, which is followed by a page of Iceman doing more stuff. Yeah, I noticed that. Th this sh this caption should be on the, the next Iceman, page. Iceman, Iceman page. I never realized up until now how great it is to be solo. For once, I'm alone, not getting lost in a team. These people are cheering for me. Of course, we're not fighting crime or anything, but hey, whatever. So they go indoors, I guess, for a bunch of hot cocoa, and everybody's surrounding them like, man, you're the best. You should hang out here. He's just getting excited because nobody has destroyed an ice shield yet. <laughs> And that's when the lieutenant shows up. Is this college lieutenant? Not really sure, but... Gunless lieutenant? <laughs> Looks like he has a gun. I think he has a gun. 
he has a cold and he's like I want to thank everybody for what they've done. Um, yeah. What were the thieves after, Lieutenant? Uh, new computer system. Hot stuff. It was designed by a guy called Yellow Jacket, a big deal Big Apple superhero, who also happens to be Dr. Henry Pym, one of the world's top cybernetic witches. He sent his little computer, little wonder toy up here to be hooked into the main computer for testing, and it turned into Ultron killing us all. Oh, I mean, wait. <laughs> that didn't happen at all. Uh, honk blasted New York or New New England winters. So they're questioning uh, Iceman, saying, "Did you see the man who sounded the alarm?" He's like, "Of course, one of the men who worked in the computer lab, wasn't he?" Sure, that was Professor. What's his name? Do you know him, Bubba? Bubba. I guess Bubba is the fat hippie guy who's like snowball fight man. <laughs> yeah, he's he's made a few appearances thus far in the comic. Sure, I see him in the math department all the time. I'm not sure what he teaches. I guess none of my friends is in any of his courses, but he's been here since the start of the term. All right, now let me ask you a question. You're going to college, and your friends are going to college. Do you know, like, that your friends, who who their professors are? Yeah, I went to a very small community college, so yeah. But, I mean, if it was a large university like Dartmouth, probably not. <laughs> I went to a very small community college where there was probably, like, ten teachers. So, like, you knew all the teachers. You knew what they all taught. And you knew everybody else's schedule. I especially did because I smoked with most of them. And they'd be like, yeah, i got to get in for Cy or whatever. And you'd be like, oh, Cy with Smith. And they'd be like, yeah, he's a jerk. And you'd be like, yeah, he is. Yeah, but, I mean, even that, that said... Do you know, can do you know did you know who Smith was? Did you know what Smith looked like? If Smith were to sound the alarm on a uh, burglary, would you would you know it was Smith? Oh look, that's Smith. Bobby, Freddie, and Joey take <laughs> classes with him. Maybe, but but again, I'm 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 on your side with this one. If you're at Dartmouth, probably not. All right, so I'm just going to assume that Bubba is <laughs> super into that sort of stuff. I just love. Hey, man, I just like tracking my friends and their teachers. It's what I do. <laughs> I don't actually go to class. Hmm, thanks, Iceman. <laughs> He's got a little drip of ice coming from his nose. <laughs> and then we cut to later after midnight, and um turns out that Professor What's-His-Name is actually a villain. Um, I guess his name is Thatcher. We don't know he's a villain yet, do we? Oh, we do. Okay, sorry. Yeah, he's right there. Um, Thatcher's slick, all right. I'll give him that. Imagine him setting up a phony robbery, phony robbery this morning, just so we could sneak an extra box into the lab. Dump, dumb cops returning a component that hadn't been stolen in the first place. Never knowing there was a guy hidden inside the crate, all nice and snug, waiting until things closed down so we could shut down the alarm and unlock the doors for us. And Thatcher's like, shut up. <laughs> um, this is, I mean, I guess this is kind of a good plan, but that has to assume that the first plan where they steal the stuff didn't work. Yes, everything has to work out just perfectly in order for this to be a viable plan. And, well, I mean, in this case, it did. It seems like two or three of these guys are going to jail. I, I wouldn't be cool with that. Well, I mean, it's all for the greater good, I would assume. So Thatcher, he's walking along this row of ice sculptures, and he's just like, look at them, as he walks by Vision 
and Thing and Iceman and Iron Man and Carol Danvers and Submariner. Who's the guy after Submariner here with the wings? That's Angel. That's not the same Angel pose. He's got like a little headdress on. Well, then it's Hawkman from DC. There you go. He walks by Namor, Hawkman, and Iceman, and he's like, wait a minute. Not yet, not yet. He walks by Scarlet Witch and Ghost Rider. Right. Now, let me ask you, who makes an ice statue of Ghost Rider? Uh, that seems to be kind of a stretch. I'm guessing the artist was like, um, we've got Namor, Angel, we'll do Iceman again, we'll do Scarlet Witch, and uh, uh, can't use X-Men. Uh, and there's no Spider-Man in here, right? The obvious choice. So he's yeah. like... Eh, Ghost Rider. Ghost Rider, a guy who is like pretty much a known semi-villain-esque sort of guy. And not only is it it's Ghost Rider, but it's Ghost Rider with hair. Well, I would imagine that that's like Ghost Rider with like flaming head. It's it's a skull with a with a bouffant, with a elf Elvis coif. <laughs> and then he's like, "Say, am I mistaken, or did we just walk past two statues of the?" Iceman! He jumps out and says, Surprise! Please be reasonable. I suffer from chill blains. Whatever that is. And then we cut to a shot of Iceman blasting everybody. And then all of the statues disappear. That's true. Like, where, what happened to... Uh, there should be an angel behind him and a Namor and a Miss Marvel and an Iron Man and an Iceman and a Thing. I see an Iceman and I see a Thing. And I see a vision, and I see somebody else, maybe an angel, but there's nobody in between that. No, somebody's not keeping track of continuity. <sighs> <laughs> so he's blasting away, and he's uh, having fun, and he's like, I could just stop that guy there, but I'd rather make a little loop-de-loop -loop ramp for him. And he does, and the villain goes sliding up and on his back. Ha-ha-ha. <laughs> And so he goes up to Thatcher, and he's like, I'm going to get you, sucker. And Thatcher's like, huh, you think those blasters that my goons had were something? Well, I've got a cane. And it's also a blaster. He shoots Iceman with his blaster cane. Iceman falls over. Thatcher runs away. Iceman starts de-icing, and he's like, no, I have to be strong. I got to get up and fight this. And he is almost at rock bottom where he's completely thawed out, but he's able to pull it together and he ices back up. I feel like this is an attempt at a Spider-Man moment. Yeah. Yep. It falls flat. It's not good. And so he pulls himself back together, makes some ice shields, follows after Thatcher. They shoot back and forth at one another, and Thatcher goes falling off a cliff. Well, falling falling down a cliff. I mean, he, you know, it's a snow cliff. He He's okay. Right. And they think we think he's going to get away until Bobby Drake makes himself a pair of ice skis and ice poles and jumps over the mountain down the hill and says, I don't think you can hit a moving target now, can you? And uh, the Thatcher runs into a bunch of students who are like partying. Hey, what's happening? We heard all the noise. Decided to come out and join your party unless you'd rather come inside and join ours. This is this is the guys at Bubba and crew from earlier. It's Francis, Bubba, Amy, and Blair. Students, but I, I don't, I don't believe it. Francis, Bubba, and Blair, get away from me, you! 
Come on, man. Come on, man. Cool out. Have a brew. We got a whole case inside. One case for all of us. <laughs> There's 27 of us and a case of beer. We're going to get slightly tipsy. <laughs> <laughs> we got a six pack. <laughs> but Francis, those are warm as he drinks the beer. So what? Iceman will oblige. He's a cool guy. Which I say, how are these beers warm? <laughs> what, what did they do to make them warm? Like, what did they buy them from the supermarket where they were cold and then keep them in a hot car for like 24 hours? I mean, they're in the ice. They did not keep the beers in the fridge? What's going on here? Well, you can buy a case of beer that has not been chilled. But I would say that it's probably pretty bad frat behavior to not take your case of beer and stick it out on the deck, especially when it's winter, to cool that beer down. This frat is lame. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if I'm going through their whole uh, admissions process, I'm not impressed. <laughs> so they're like, uh, all right, Iceman, I'm warning you. I'm going to shoot you again with my little cane. But Iceman shoots a big ball of ice on the cane takes it and fires it up into the sky where it explodes. I shall let my cane build to critical mass. The ensuing explosion would kill us all. Stop, wait, what are you doing? Shoots it up into the air and it's light out. And they're like, oh, there's a pretty star in the sky. Far out, says not Bubba. Far out, man. And that's when the lieutenant shows up and he's like, hey, good work, everybody. And he looks over to Iceman and every, or actually everybody's like, Iceman's awesome. You should hang out with us. And the lieutenant's like, how come if you're so great, I never heard of you. And, uh, and that's when the, uh, the kids are like, hey, what happened to Bobby Drake? No, no, they don't. <laughs> Iceman's like, I guess it's because I've always been overshadowed by my teammates. You'll be hearing from me, Lieutenant, from now on, a lot. Count on it. I wonder if it's too late f in the weekend for me to meet that friend of Francis's. Oh, Francis had a girl that he wanted to introduce to somebody. Right. Cocky, Cocky punk. punk. <laughs> Says the Lieutenant. So one could say that this is potentially the birth of Spider-Man and his amazing friends in which Iceman becomes a prominent member of that team. One could also say this is the birth of the champions. The defenders, rather. The it, defenders. It would still be Iceman being overshadowed by a team of people. Oh, okay. <laughs> right? Isn't that Never the whole mind. point of the story? Well, the champions is coming up, so we'll find out what happens. Okay. Not the champions. I keep saying the champions. It's the defenders. Either, same diff. Pretty much. So there you go. Finally, we can put Bizarre Adventures number 27 to bed. It is done. All right, and I officially... My omnibus is officially done now, because that was in the omnibus. Really? Yeah. Well... All, all three stories from the Bizarre Adventures 27 was in the omnibus. When you complete an omnibus, what do you do with it? I auction it off to the fans. No, <laughs> not really. <laughs> and sold to one of our listeners for $3... Adam's Omnibus. No, I don't know. If the fans are interested in, in owning the uh, the Omnibuy that I have done, they should, they should let me know. Maybe I'll get maybe I'll maybe I'll give it to them or sell it to them or do something like that. Really? You don't want to just stick it on the sh the shelf never to be read again? Well if nobody responds <laughs> they... then I will probably just stick it onto the shelf. <laughs> but if somebody responds, hey, 
I'm, I'm open to uh, signing and delivering. I, I don't know why anybody would want my signature on it, but anyway. You don't think you'd ever go back and read? I mean, you basically have X-Men number 1 through 153 at your disposal. You'd never go back and reread all of that? I got this podcast. I'll just go back and listen. Ah, good point. Huh. Maybe maybe that could be a thing. Like when we really like arrive and like our listener base is huge, we can like – When we start doing the comic conventions, maybe. We can get rid of like the source material we read from for the podcast. Speaking of of comic conventions, like this is this is a question to the general fan base. We've got we've we figured we've got maybe two to three to four hundred listeners, something around there. Maybe. Maybe. I, I don't even know how this stuff works. No. Nope. Um, but if we were to actually go to a comic convention, say San Diego, New York, Toronto, whatever, uh, would people meet us there? Would they take us out to the lo- lo- the local places for some drinks afterwards? Would they want to hang out? Uh, let us know. Just just uh, had too much to drink. Passing this <laughs> stuff along. <laughs> this is what happens when you have a cybolt. Uh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let us know. Mind wipe. <laughs> that what you just heard never happened. Uh, no, yeah. Let us know uh, what you what you think uh, about that idea, because I'm I've never actually I don't think I've I've never actually been to a comic con to be honest. I think I'm gonna go to one next year. Yeah, maybe you and I should both go and and just walk around and have a T-shirt that says "We Are Danger Room." Well, that'd actually be a really good T-shirt. We are Danger Room. Yeah, that would mm-hmm. be pretty cool. All right, and well, I, I definitely would like to have uh, like. Uh, uh, business cards by then. Yeah, yeah. That was a challenge we threw out to listeners who have not yet come through because I, I believe what's happened is there's probably like six of you out there who are listening <laughs> right now who are like in the final stages of the business card that has like good good graphics and details about what, what it is we do that we can drop off at comic cons, at comic book stores, etc. So when you, no rush, but when you get those finished, just just email them in. Again, uh, dangerroom at redcapproductions.com. Adam, did you do any additional reading this week? I uh, I did. And this is going to be really brief because, honestly, I have no idea what was going on in The Micronauts number 37. Um, it starts out with the X-Men, so I'll relate that part. But once I get past the X-Men, yeah. This, uh, so the X-Men are repairing the, da- the danger room. And um, they even say, see X-Men 152 for how the... Uh, damage happened, and the professor says the damage was in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. Ooh. A- as was done before, Nightcrawler says, of course, we could trade outside of the mansion, as Wolverine and I have done, but that wouldn't give us quite the same sense of the unexpected. God in Himmel, he says, which I think means God in Heaven. I think you're right. I didn't look that one up. We'll do that for the regular episodes, or the regular right. issues. Right, yeah, right, right. Yep, yep. Uh, Nightcrawler gets into trouble, and the rest of the X-Men have to save him. It's it's typical X-Men shenanigans. <laughs> um, and then uh, Wolverine says, well, first the professor comes down and says, hear me, my, they save Nightcrawler. Hear me, my X-Men, I have, we have an appointment elsewhere. I'm not going to say where, but we're going to go. I'll save Nightcrawler, who volunteered to remain on sentry duty. And the prof- uh, Wolverine says, this better be good, Charlie. I was planning to go see Raiders of the Lost Ark later. Hmm. And Colossus 
chimes in and says, for the 14th time? Oh. So apparently Wolverine's a big fan of Rage of the Lost Ark. Well, it's a good movie. And that's the last we see of the X-Men save Nightcrawler. The rest of the comic is a bunch of uh, Micronauts stuff, um, which, honestly, I was very confused about. Apparently the Micronauts are part of some sort of Micronaut kingdom that they got exiled from, and now they have to get back to save it. Uh, They end up fighting a villain. The Micronauts are tiny little people. Uh, they they fight a villain inside of they end up inside of the danger room, and Nightcrawler helps them out. And the danger room, of course, attacks everybody. And uh, yeah, and at the end of the issue, we find out that uh, the next issue of Micronauts is going to go to 38 two pages with no ads, and the only drawback is you you can only get it through subscription. Hmm. So sales must have been doing well for Micronauts. I, I can't tell if that's good or bad. I'm, sounds bad to me. <laughs> um, I forgot the most important part of my day. I actually read uh, Dazzler number 11. And, you uh, forgot the most important part of your day? No. This is actually was a, was a pretty boring episode. It took me a lot to get through it. I'm sorry. Were you finished <laughs> with Micronauts? I was, I was totally finished with okay. Micronauts. Okay. So let me just quickly cover Dazzler. Uh, I'm also finished with my uh, Cybolt. I am also finished with my Cybolt. And I'm just trying to figure out how I'm going to use the rest of these ingredients not in Cybolt concoction. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Dazzler number 11, uh, also from the same month as X-Men 153, I guess. Uh, if you were last recall, uh, Dazzler was in a black hole fighting Terax uh, or getting ready to fight Terax. And Terax is like, I'm going to get you. And so he's swinging his axe at uh, Dazzler and she, for whatever reason, can't talk. Uh, she's been uh, given some of Galactus's power, and she's also got kind of like a force field around her so that she doesn't die. But her lifeline was cut by Terax's axe. So he now has a new plan because he is kind of enchanted by Dazzler that uh, he will find the other side of this black hole and some other universes and take Dazzler with him to be his queen. And she's like, ew, gross. Meanwhile, in... Uh, Galactus's little sphere R11 is like kind of like oh man I wish Galactus would have chosen me to be his herald like why is he always choosing other people so he's getting a little bit jealous here but he's also kind of following what's going on with Dazzler and Terax and he realizes that Dazzler's not doing too well and he goes up to Galactus and he's like hey man like if you want Terax brought to justice you're gonna have to help uh, Dazzler and he's like don't bother me I'm busy and so uh, Dazzler continues to fight Terax. She's giving it all she's got, but Terax isn't phased, and it uh, looks like Terax is going to kill Dazzler when, from Galactus's sphere, the little power thing that charged her up originally, fires back on and fires a big bolt of power into the black hole. Meanwhile, on Earth, everybody in her life is like, where's Dazzler? And I mean everybody, her manager, her bodyguard, her bandmates, the doctor, her father, her grandmother. Everybody wants to know where Dazzler is. Human Torch? He is not here, and neither is Spider-Man. 
So I guess not everybody in her life. Most everybody. So back in the black hole, the little laser beam that was shot in there hits Dazzler. And she's like, oh my god, Galactus is trying to kill me. But then she's like, oh wait, oh man, actually I feel pretty good. Like, I've been re-energized. I'm going to live. So then she starts shooting up at Daherax and she's eventually able to take him down. Uh, And she's like, I'm getting the hell out of here. And as she goes... Towards the opening of the black hole, she's like, oh, man, Galactus is kind of a vindictive guy. He sent me in here to get Terax, who betrayed him. If I come out of here without Terax, it'll be like I betrayed him. So I better bring Terax with me. So she does. She grabs Terax and pulls him out of the black hole. Um, Galactus is like, hey, man, to R11, like, I told you to leave that Dazzler person alone. What gives? And, And he's like, I was following the intent of I was following your intent and Galactus is like how dare you decide what my intent is and R11's like you care for Dazzler and he's like yeah I guess so and he walks away <laughs> and says you may continue rescuing Dazzler so he goes away uh Dazzler and Terax come out of the black hole uh the Galactus sphere is there waiting they get beamed inside uh Dazzler's kind of incapacitated Terax is chained to a board and now everybody on earth is speeding towards dazzler's house you've got daddy blair who's driving you've got the doctor who's on a 10-speed bicycle on a suit which is kind of funny you've got the bandmates hailing a cab smoking cigars uh, and eating candy bars as they try to get to dazzler's and then back at galactus's sphere they have a quick trial about Terax and what they're going to do. And Allison steps up and she's like, hey, I may not be a lawyer, but come on, man. You kind of asked for this. And she goes on some sort of speech and it's very long. And Galactus is like, fine, Terax can live and you can live. And so everybody convenes at Allison's apartment. The super comes down and he's like, I've been concerned about Allison too. So they take the elevator upstairs. The super lets everybody into Allison's apartment. And that's the exact moment that she's beamed back from Galactus's sphere to her couch. Everybody opens the door and she's like, Oh, Galactus, the black hole, the vast is Galactus, the edge of infinity. And they're all like, oh man, she's been on a week long bender. She's just been partying. And her dad's like, I am not happy about this. And her manager's like, I get it. She's a rock star partying. Okay, this this makes sense. Everybody leaves. The doctor's like, well, one day I'm going to make you happy. But for right now, I'm just going to let you be. And she gives him a kiss and he walks away. And she mumbles, goodbye, Paul, my darling. I love you. Next issue, the tech master strikes back. <laughs> and he doesn't hear that. No, he does not hear that Dazzler loves him. Creating drama out of something that nobody cares about. <laughs> so, yeah, if ever you wanted like a meaningless three-part da- uh, Galactus story, that's that's the Dazzler series right there. But I do want to point out uh, one of one of my very first what if issues continues off of this story and is what if Dazzler became Galactus's herald in which instead of her being beamed off, uh Galactus talks to her and she becomes his herald. It's an interesting story. Does it end badly for everybody? Because like every what if that ever what if that I've ever read has ended with everybody dying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't think everybody dies, but I mean it, it. It it doesn't end well. I don't think Dazzler dies, but yeah. She turns out to be the best herald ever, and 
Earth gets eaten? Earth does not get eaten, but uh, no. I don't. Really, it's been a long time since I read that issue, but but it she has like a crisis of conscience and inadvertently leads Galactus to a planet inhabited by sentient plants, and uh, she can hear their cries as Galactus eats them or something, and then she's not happy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sad. So there you go. Um, that was the Cybolt uh, episode. So, uh, yeah. Uh, anything else to add to this one, Adam? More drinks recipes. Yes. More drink recipes. Uh, and until we get more drink recipes or next week, the danger room is closed.